So mm-hmm. I started with a high ticket offer. I actually didn't know that people would be interested in learning from me. So yeah. I offered a $5,000 coaching and they did. I had eight clients the first year. My De Leon is a lettering artist turned business strategist who has helped hundreds of creative entrepreneurs turn their hobbies into highly profitable businesses, specifically in the arts. You know the old saying, starving artist? She turned that on its head, but almost by accident. Over time, people requested, oh, can you letter my name on Instagram? And I do that. And after six months, someone noticed what I've been doing and then asked me to create the alphabet coloring book which was fun. I got my first client. And to me, that was like my wake-up call. Hey, you can make money from hand lettering. In this episode, I asked Mai about what was happening under the hood. We can come here and paint a highlight reel of any coach, but that's not the kind of story that's going to inspire you. And it's important to me that you know that business can be messy and will be messy, that it can happen unexpectedly and that it can give you the fuel to never give up. And boy, I got so much more out of this conversation than I bargained for. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault at theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. In the full version, you're going to hear about Mai's formative years and how she went from being told she had to give up on college to work in the family bakery to defying all odds and going anyway to pursue financial freedom and how her online community later in life rallied to get her son the surgery that he needed when he was born. This is an inspiring story you're not going to want to miss. To watch it, go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while you're at the gym because you're rocking your New Year's resolutions, head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with thriving artist. My De Leon. Welcome to the Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career path responsible for multiple self-made millionaires, opening the doors for experts and professionals like you and me to stop living paycheck to paycheck and design a rich and abundant life with one purpose to help others. I'm your host, Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach. Listen for lessons and strategies that will turn you into the next global phenomenon. Today's episode begins now. Hello, everybody. Today, I have the wonderful, my friend, Mai De Leon. Hi, Mai. How are you today? Hi, Ina. It's great seeing you and finally talking to you again. It's been a while. I know it's been a while. So before we dive into your story, because I really want everyone to understand the journey that you have been through, can you share with us what do you do right now? Who do you serve? Okay, so right now I help two extreme clients, actually. So the first ones are creatives, artists and creatives who wanted to start and grow their business. And then there's this other side who actually wanted to scale from five to six figures and beyond. So I basically help creatives build 
a strong foundation in their online businesses so they can continuously grow it and then live the life that they want. So I no more starving that. artists for us. <laughs> no more starving artists here. So can you tell us a little bit of what was life like for you before you found the coaching world, before you were introduced into this universe? What was my life like? Well, I had a long journey, actually. <laughs> and I started as a blogger online. I started as a blogger. My first online earning was $5 from a blog advertisement. Yeah. And I cannot draw that because PayPal requires minimum of $50 for you to be able to withdraw the money. But that was my very, very first earning. But even before that, even before starting a blog, like what were you doing? Did you have a job? Like what was yeah. your normal life before the online world? Well, I had a job. I have been moving from one company to another because I cannot quite figure out what is it that you know, I don't stay for a long time in a company. The longest that I stayed in a corporation is three and a half years. So I've been jumping from one job to another. And in the middle of those times, I will either go to a call center so that I will just, you know, making money while looking for the next job. And then after my last job, I tried wedding planning. <laughs> I did so many other stuff. I had to sell snacks in front of my mother's bakery I had to do that so really being a offline pre-online era I was juggling so many different things different jobs and businesses just so we could stay afloat so how did you start to tap into your hobbies where did that start? Where did that come from? And how did you think, I think I might start that blog, which was the first thing <laughs> you did? I saw a friend, a former colleague who started a blog. So I started a blog. And then what was it about? I, it was just like a diary. I was sharing my daughters because I had the twins then and they were two years old and I was sharing their journey. So parenting... I have two blogs. The other one is blogappetite.com. I don't even know what that is. And the mm -hmm. other one is homeandparenting.com. I own that until, you know, I had to let it go. So somebody owns it now. So that's it. And those were the blogs that I created so that I could make money from mm -hmm. the in thing back then was blog advertising and paid posts. You know, when mm -hmm. people ask you, hey, can you link this item on your blog? And we'd get paid for that. And then from there, I discovered digital scrapbooking because I saw somebody who blogs about digital scrapbooking. Mm -hmm. And she was also a former colleague. And I fell in love with the fact that I can create all of those pretty pages. So I had to teach myself Photoshop mm -hmm. so that I can do that. And I did. And then eventually I realized I'm spending way too much on digital scrapbook products. Why don't I learn to create mine so yeah. that... I can stop buying and I can just use my own kids. And that is exactly what I did. So I told you, and I told you I'm good at making money. I know where to find money too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always do. It's just probably a skill or it's a gift. So I saw the potential. I know how to use Photoshop now. I can just, you know, find a few more tutorials, how I can make digital scrapbook kits. And then I did. And then mm -hmm. I opened my first scrapbook shop in 2009. And then I got admitted into different scrapbook stores. And that's the story of it. Every single week, I have new releases. 
new products, and I have a day job. So I am keeping my day job and I'm doing scrapbook on the side. So after I get home at 9 p.m., the kids are already asleep. I'd work on my designs so that I can have a release every single Friday for two years. I was doing that for two years. So there'll be times that I'll wake up at five in the morning, but I've slept at two already. So thankfully, traffic is worse in the Philippines back then. Mm -hmm. uh, My husband would drive me to work and there was this two hour long traffic that I can sleep a little bit more and he allows me to do that. So I still have the energy to work. And then eventually two years after I realized I'm too stressed for the kind of work that I'm doing because I felt that level of stress whenever I'm out of the office, I'm good. I'm great. I'm me. But the minute I step out of the elevator to the floor to my office, oh my goodness, the stress is right there. I have blurred vision. My head is pounding. I don't know if it's vertigo or something, but I don't know. I just get dizzy all the time. And then I'll walk home and I'll be fine again. And my husband said, you're under a lot of stress. You you probably need to stop working. And I was super thankful that it came from his mouth because I was so, so shy at the time to ask him to stop working. Because I was already making $2,000, $3,000 from scrapbooking, which is three times more as I was making from my salary in the day job. So he said, yeah, you can probably stop because you already have that side job that you can now turn into a full job. So that's it. And I did scrapbooking for seven years until I gave birth to my son. Mm -hmm. And then my son, you know, has special needs. So instead of doing designs, he needed 200% of my attention. I can't do designs anymore. And when I was scrapbooking, I thought of hand lettering for quite a while because I am a lettering artist since I was a kid. I've been doing lettering since I was 10 in grade school. I would decorate the classroom because my teachers would ask me to. So I would letter, you know, draw pretty letters that teachers can display also for posters. So for poster making contests, I would letter those. And then I thought of that when I was scrapbook designing is ah, I was just ignoring the fact that mm, lettering, I won't make money from that. I'm making good with scrapbook design. So why would I, you know, move? And then came my son. Mm-hmm. I can't do any scrapbook design. I can't even touch the computer. He wants me on the couch with him when he's napping. And when I go away, he will wake up and I don't want him irritated <laughs> yeah. because it's hard to take care enough as he is. And a little bit of irritation to a special needs child is a lot more to take. So I respect his wish and I stayed there. And for a, quite a while, I was just watching Criminal Minds, mm-hmm. Bones, you know, mm-hmm. all those series. And I thought, is this going to be my life forever? Yeah. And then I would wake up in the middle of the night, go to the restroom. And then one day, my husband followed me in the restroom. It was 3 a.m. He knocked and he asked, are you okay? And I was like, why? Yeah, I'm just here peeing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he has been observing me for a while and he's seeing that I'm not acting myself anymore. I'm not acting 
as me. So at the time, I felt I was just lonely and sad about what my life has turned into. Probably it was also postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And part of it was feeling sad that I don't have anyone to talk to. And then I don't have anything to do. I can't design. I lost me. Yeah. During that time, that was how it felt. I lost myself. And then I wanted it back because I'm already having these ill thoughts like, what if I just fade? What if I just vanish? But I also thought my family needed me. I have young children. The least that I wanted to happen is for them to grow up motherless. So (laughs) I picked up myself again. And the next morning, I grabbed a Muji notebook and then a pencil and an eraser. And I started lettering. And then at first, I don't know what to letter. So I lettered the letter A in many different variations. Next day, I still don't know what to letter. I lettered the letter B in many different variations until I finished the entire alphabet. And then I had lettered people's names. And over time, people requested, oh, can you letter my name on Instagram? And I do that. And after six months, someone noticed what I've been doing and then asked me to create the alphabet coloring book, which was fun. I got my first client. And to me, that was like my wake up call. Hey, you can make money from hand lettering. Yeah. You woman, (laughs) you can make money from hand lettering. It's like, yeah, what did I do during those times? I have ignored something that has been calling me for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the universe is funny ways to teach us things. So you begin lettering, you start to kind of find yourself again, right? It's like, oh my God, I'm doing something that I like, something I don't have to stay up until all hours to do, something I can just get clients from. How did you go? And I really want your perspective on this. I was recently interviewing a relationship coach. Her name is Sammy Wonder, and she's a past episode where I asked her, she was so successful in her relationship coaching business, right? She turned it into a seven-figure business. I'm like, you know what's really hard as a coach? To not realize that you could also be teaching people how you made it, how you developed your business that has nothing to do with teaching business, but start to teach people about business. And that looks like that's exactly what you did. It's like, I turned my creative power into a business. And now I want to teach other creatives to do the same. So I would love to know what that transition was like. And if you had an internal conflict of like, you know, stop monetizing your creativeness to teach others, I'd love to know what that decision was like. Okay. So when I was lettering, I was enjoying it for quite a while. Four years into it, I was making money, getting clients. I don't have a lot of clients because I am very picky with clients. I only choose clients that can pay me really, really well. And the reason for that is I don't want to spend a lot of time lettering something and then I'm going to get paid a couple of hundred yeah. bucks. Okay. I yeah. want them to pay really well. So I did not have that many clients. Mm-hmm. But Four years into it, I started feeling pain from right here on top of my head down to my left shoulders. Hmm. And I didn't know what was it back then. I just thought I was tired. But I had a terrible posture. In engineering, we have this inclined table so that whenever we do our designs, we are not straining our back, our necks and everything. So we had good posture. But in real life, I don't have that. 
Right. So I was lettering with bad posture, sometimes crouch on the couch. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that took a toll on me. So I developed myofascial pain syndrome. Ooh. And I had to give up hand lettering. And I don't want to give up making money. I can give up hand lettering just to not feel that intense pain. But I cannot give up making money. I told yeah. you I'm stubborn. <laughs> so I thought of something. How can I make money from what I know? And a lot of people have been asking me, to, hey, can you do workshops? Can you come to the States to do workshop? Can you go to Japan to do workshop? Can you go to Netherlands to do workshop? And I said, well, I can't go, but probably I can create an online course. And that's what I did. I had an idea. So I already had the book out then. And my book is called Mastering Hand Lettering, which also funny, the story about it. So it was out. And I said, I'm going to make an online course. So I had people in my email list. I had to start making content to get people in my email list. And then I reached 8,000 people on my subscriber list. And I sold the idea. I don't have a course. I just sold the idea. I told them, I sent an email. Hey, I'm going to be creating a course. It's about hand lettering. I'm going to call it Mastering Hand Lettering. I don't know what to call it. I know that I had a book, Mastering Hand Lettering. So I just called the course Mastering Hand Lettering too. And... <laughs> You know what I did? The summary of the book, the table of contents, this is exactly what I put in the email. <laughs> this is what you're going to learn inside the course. And then over 60 people bought it. I made $21,000 from that idea. And I told my husband when he got home, hey, this is real. <laughs> we have to make a course because I already made the money. Look, I have $21,000. He was... I don't know, dumbfounded, surprised, overwhelmed. Like, how did you do that? It takes me years and months to make that amount of money. And you did that in what, a week? Yeah, that's just how I sold it. But of course, it took time to build the audience. But mm -hmm. then we made the course. He and I, we started building the course. He was working. So we are recording when he gets home from work and also weekend because we didn't have all the lighting, all the pretty setup. We had a DSLR, but that's it. So we had to rely on the natural sun, the morning sun. And then yeah. in a couple of lights, you see this one. This is memorable for us. So I just keep it. It's just right there. We're still using that. Those are the two lights that we had when we were starting. And yeah, we built a program together. We built wow. our first course. And that was an amazing experience for both of us. And yeah, so that's the story. And then how I transitioned to coaching is because I needed to teach people how to do hand lettering. But mm -hmm. then more lettering artists have been asking, how can I turn this into business? How can I make money from it? And then mm -hmm. I shared business part of after they learn lettering, they also going to need to learn how to get clients sell products and all that based from their hand lettering. But then over time, as I was working with many different coaches, I was also inundated with, hey, you've got to have a high ticket offer and all that, you know, that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. I started with a high ticket offer. I actually didn't know that people would be interested in learning from me. So mm -hmm. I offered a $5,000 coaching that was my first. Some other people say, maybe start at three. No, I don't want three. I want 5,000. So I started 5,000. Yeah. Yeah. If it's really for me, then people are going to work with me. 
And they did. I had eight clients the first year. And then I was ignoring something else. I am working with people who wanted to scale because these creatives who can pay $5,000, they were ready. They have been in the business for quite a while, but they wanted more so I can help them. But then there's this other side that always keeps popping up. Like we need help too, you know, we're starting. Mm -hmm. We wanted to learn how to do it. And I can't quite figure out how because I am always getting this, oh, you need the high ticket. Oh, you need to sell courses. Oh, you need to do this. We've gotten that from a lot of different coaches, a lot of different people online. And then I just started to get tired of it all. And I told myself, I've got to look inside. Mm-hmm. I got to look at myself first. What makes me happy? And it took a couple of tweaking. So in fact, Last year's plan just went down the drain because I started tweaking courses after courses until I finally figured out what I wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. that gave birth to my program, Profitable Beginnings. Yeah. It's a course slash coaching program that are tailored for beginners, creatives and artists who want to start their journey from being a creative to becoming an online business owner. Yeah. But then I continued serving the high-ticket clients. And I thank you so much for explaining all of that, the exact pricing situation with everyone. Because I really feel like there's a huge misconception out there that, especially if you're starting, that, hey, if you're going to start with, you know, high-ticket, then people almost feel like, well, but I know that my ideal client can't afford it. That's a very, very common thing to say. My yeah. ideal client can't afford it. So therefore, like I can't really charge those prices. Like, no, you got to understand. My wasn't trying to get somebody who would never pay $200 for something to pay $5,000 for something. You got to understand that there's different people at different price points. So if yeah. my wanted to target people who are just starting out, Yes, these people may not be ready for the 5,000, but my could find clients at the 5,000 level because they are out there. So you really set your price, you set your offer, and you'll find the clients that match it. And I completely agree that, you know, people who are beginning, they really should be dipping their toes. They really should be, you know, starting their investment journey. So having, you know, a lower offer that appeals to them. That's exactly the path that I went on because I did the same thing. My I had my high level offer and then I'm like, yeah, but my beginners, they're, they're like my people. Like I love talking to beginners because everything that I say, I feel like I'm blowing minds. Every every single time that I open my mouth, I see minds getting blown. I'm like, that gives me joy to give you guys these things. So I created a low-level offer too. And that makes me happy. That makes me feel like I'm doing something good in the world. Right. So I love how you put it. It's like, you know, look within, see like what is it that you want to create and for whom? I love it that you put it that way. Yes, exactly. And I think having that high ticket offer, yes, it opened so many great opportunities for us. But at first, yes, it's scary, especially if my market are creatives. We are notoriously known for not being able to afford anything. Yeah. Remember, starving artists. Starving artists. How can I offer a $5,000 coaching? But then I also realized I don't want to do coaching. Similar to my clients, I don't want to do client work. If I'm just getting paid a couple of hundred dollars, I don't want to do coaching and I'm just getting paid $2,000 and then I'm going to have to coach for six months. And then it's also the same thing that I did with the first original artwork that I sold. I sold it for $1,500 
because I don't actually want to sell the artwork. Yeah. I wanted it for myself. So I put a price tag on it that I know people wouldn't want to buy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's a little sneaky. But yes, I don't want to sell it. So I put a very high price tag. All the people in the exhibit where that was displayed are selling 400, 300, 350. Mine was like 150. And Faber-Castell was actually saying, no, we can't sell it at 1.5. It has to be lower. I said, no, I am not going to display it if you don't allow me to sell it at 1.5. And they were actually happy that a couple came into the exhibit, liked the artwork, got it and bought it for $1,500. And I was like, shocked. Oh my goodness, I lost it. (laughs) I wanted to keep it for myself, but then somebody bought it. I was super happy. So imagine your work has value to other people. It might not be valuable to other people who might not be your target market, but to those who do, who are your target market, they value your work more than you do. And I'm also getting the lesson from you that your time is also valuable to you. Don't discount it to accommodate other people. Charge what you believe that time of you spending this time and effort with that person is worth. That is the price. And then you'll meet your ideal client for it. I'd love to ask you, my, if we have creatives listening, right? Creatives who are getting into the coaching scene. Could you give them like three pieces of advice that you feel like they need to know? Like if you could grab them by the shoulders and shake them and tell them like, (laughs) these are things that you need to be doing right now. What would those three things be? Well, first of all, content. I used to think that content is who isn't, right? A lot of people, especially creatives, think that creating content is just taxing. It's exhausting. I don't want to do it. It's taking so much of the time, but change that mindset and think that your money-making machine, and this is what I teach inside Profitable Beginnings, content is your money-making machine. It is not your products. It's not your workshops. It's not your courses. Your content is the one that's bringing in the money for your business. Because if you don't have that visibility, nobody sees you out there. Nobody gets to know your product. Nobody gets to know you, your brand, your business. What is it that you do? How can you help other people? Because you don't have content, okay? So number one, that, create content and don't consider it as exhausting as something that you just need to do because other people are doing it. You need to do it because that is your number one money-making machine. And then the other one, be comfortable with pricing. If you think it is not good enough. It is not good enough. Don't feel bad about offering a bigger price tag because other people cannot afford it. Make sure, and this is something that I always tell my people to price and not because other people cannot afford it. Price because this is what you want to charge, not because this is not something that people will you know, accept. They won't be able to afford it. Don't think about the people who can't afford it. And no, we're not putting them down. You know, we can always cater to other people, but think about yourself first because you cannot give what you don't have. You cannot make an impact if you're broke. So you've got to build yourself up first and then help the other people that you wanted to help. So maybe when you're settled in in the business, 
you can help the beginners who are starting in their journey. You can offer a lower tier product, just like what we're doing now, right? And then the last one is just don't stop. It's going to be rough. It's going to be challenging. There will be times when you'd be, you know, willing to throw in the towel, but continue, move forward, get up, because one day you will wake up that everything is so worth it. It will fall into place. And right now you might be worried and doubting yourself, but all of these are learning phase. All of these will bring you closer to your goals and all of these will give you the clarity that you are looking for. So people always look for clarity, but until you start doing, you cannot find clarity. You find clarity when you do things. Yeah. It's not something that you stumble upon. You keep on doing things and by doing things, you realize, oh, this is not working. Oh, this is what's working. This is what I wanted to do more. And then over time, you'll see, I actually don't want to do this. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this isn't something for my clients. That is when you find clarity. So don't stop. Keep on doing, even if it's hard. Even if you feel like you want to give up, show up because you will thank yourself someday that you didn't give up. Thank you so much for sharing that, Mai. So let me ask you, What do you think is a big misconception that people have of you as a successful businesswoman? <laughs> people always think that I do it all. Mm -hmm. I actually don't. I am not a superwoman. I'm not flash who can do all the things in one go. I had to sacrifice things too. And for me, when I was beginning, I had to sacrifice a bit of a time when I was starting with scrapbooking. I sacrificed time with the twins. They will be here by my side playing, but I'm not playing with them. So those were times that I wished I wasn't building the business. But I also realized that they have the life that they have now because I did it. And then I am catching up now. This is the time when I'm ready to bond. We can go whenever we want. But right now it's COVID, so we can't. But right now we go to spa. We had mommy-daughter dates and father-daughter dates. We can eat whenever they want, buy whatever they want. You know, all those sacrifices were worth it too, okay? And I don't do it all. The only reason why people think I do it all is because I have managed, given that I have pain and sometimes I also have migraine, I can't stay in the computer for a long time. So my limit is four hours a day. <laughs> That's about <laughs> the amount of time that I can work in the business, four hours a day. So that gives me the focus to actually do whatever is needed to get done. Because I also had 14 working hours when I was starting. I had to work that long. Yeah. And I got tired of being tired. So I figured I can't be working 14 hours. And when I audited my 14 hours, Well, I'm not actually working with that 14 hours. I was browsing. I was checking some things here and there. And I was doing not productive things. Mm -hmm. So when I, you know, toned down to four hours, that is when the productivity really kicked in. I was able to focus. I needed to do this during these hours because I have my limit. If I stay too long at the computer, I'll have migraine. So there's that. So I think the body is telling me, hey, it's time to stop. So when you're 
ready for work, you work, you don't do anything else. I turn off my phone, put it in the other room so I can just really focus on whatever I have to do. I love it. It's the myth of the superwoman, right? Yeah. Like everything looks like we have all the parts of our life perfectly aligned and set up. Turns <laughs> out there are sacrifices for everybody's will be different. So yeah. if everybody who's listening right now, they had to do what you're about to tell them to do and they have to do it in the next 24 hours, what would that thing be? Start putting out content out there. That is the first thing I did. I just put out content. I never really intended on making money, but it happened naturally because people wanted what they see. People liked what they saw and they appreciated it. So I was able to fill in a desire for people mm -hmm. to learn hand lettering that started this entire thing. And then it catapulted to whatever it is that I have now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So content it is. Everybody heard it here first. So this has been really eye-opening, my. I have learned so much just from this conversation. Like you've basically reset my mentality about pricing just in this conversation. So I know that everybody got a ton from it too. So thank you so much for being here. Can you tell everybody where they can follow you? And if you have a gift for them, please give it now. We just want more of you. How do we get it? Okay, so... I am Maida Leon all over Facebook, Instagram. It's M-Y-E-D-E-L-E-O-N. And then I have a website, MaidaLeon.com. And when it comes to freebie, well, I have a free workshop kit. So it's how to design your best-selling workshop. And I also have another one, how to create digital products that sells. Okay, guaranteed that sells. And you can get it from mydaleon.com slash best-selling-workshop. And the other one is mydaleon.com slash digital products. Got it. Okay. And we are going to have those links in the show notes for everybody to go and see them. My, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Ina. Oh, by the way, we also have a Facebook group, Successful Creative Entrepreneurs. If they want to join, it's free. And I give weekly training there, how to start your business as a creative. Love it. We'll put that down there. Thank you, Mai. Thank you so much, Ina. I love it. Hey there, Ina here. After this interview, you may be wondering if you chose the right business. Is it possible that your hobby is the key to your future in business? In the next episode, I'll share with you three things you could do to get clarity on your ideal client, your niche, and your offer. Hit subscribe for that coming up next. And if you're an entrepreneur and you'd like to send us your tip of the week for a chance to get featured on a future companion episode, make sure to go to theglobalphenomenon.com tip to request the full instructions. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. You know that part in this episode that made you go, oh my God, I need to write that down. I want to know what that was. So go over to Instagram and find me at your engagement coach and send me a DM. I want to hear it. And if your business bestie is missing out on all of these juicy strategies, make sure to take a screenshot of the episode and share it to your stories. Remember to tag me so that I can thank you personally for all your support. I'll see you on the next episode.